Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Huge win last night to wrap up NFL Week 2 for the Raiders. They took it to the New Orleans Saints. This looked like a pretty talented Raiders team. Derek Carr, who prior to breaking his leg several years ago, looked like an elite-level quarterback, looked like an elite-level quarterback again. And if you are a Raider fan, this is the best your team has looked since John Gruden was hired if you consider the caliber of the competition. The Saints, I know, didn't look necessarily that great, but they beat the Bucks in week one. They're sitting at one and one where they find themselves very often. And uh, look, Michael Thomas, this was why I told you on Fox Bet Live and why I said yesterday on the show, I said, if you look at the impact of elite level wide receivers in the NFL, I think right now we are underrating what they mean to the overall team. And yesterday I made this argument, but I want you to follow me down the line here. What we saw last night was the Saints were nowhere near the same team without Michael Thomas. And in fact, Drew Brees has only played one game ever without Michael Thomas when Michael Thomas has been in the NFL. And if you look at Deshaun Watson without DeAndre Hopkins this year, what does he look like? Just an okay quarterback. Meanwhile, if you look at Kyler Murray with DeAndre Hopkins this year, what does he look like? A pretty fantastic quarterback. 2-0 for Kyler Murray with DeAndre Hopkins. 0-2 for Deshaun Watson without DeAndre Hopkins. How about the Minnesota Vikings? Look at what's going on right now with Kirk Cousins. 0-2 
without Stephon Diggs, and you've got uh, you've got the situation with Josh Allen in Buffalo where they are two and zero with Stephon Diggs. And that's why I told you that I like the Raiders plus the five points, plus the four points, plus the six points, whatever the number you got from your guy. And by the way, I hope your guy is FanDuel.com. Keep telling you guys this. Go to FanDuel.com slash Clay, my name, C-L-A-Y, and you get $1,000 free to gamble with if you're in one of the states where it's legal to gamble right now. And if you're not in a state where it's legal to gamble in right now, you go to FanDuel.com slash Clay, you sign up. As soon as it gets legal in your state, they'll let you know. But right now, if you're in Pennsylvania, if you're in New Jersey, if you're in Colorado, if you're in West Virginia, if you're in Indiana, if you're in Illinois, if you're in Iowa, all those places you're listening to me right now, a thousand free dollars, FanDuel.com slash Clay. You'll be hooked up. You'll be ready to roll. But the reason why I told you that I liked the Raiders last night was because I thought the Saints, without Michael Thomas, were going to look substantially worse, like we have seen the Texans without DeAndre Hopkins, and like we have seen the Minnesota Vikings without Stephon Diggs. Now, the positive is, for Saints fans, Michael Thomas is going to be back. And so, eventually, I think you will get rolling again. Right now, Drew Brees not hitting his stride. The offense doesn't feel like it's functioning as well as it could. More alarmingly, that defense got picked apart last night. It really did. Nobody could cover Darren Waller. But I think in general, as you work your way through, there are a lot of reasons to be optimistic about positive things that are headed in the direction of the Oakland Raiders. And I still think the Saints are going to be okay. And uh, and that is why I'm ready and prepared to go ahead and give you my top five and my bottom five in the NFL as we typically do most Tuesdays uh, during the course of this season. I didn't do it after week one. Start a lot of moving parts. Eventually meant to do it and then I forgot. I'm going to be honest with you. So right now what we're going to do to start off the show is now that we have seen the Raiders and we know exactly what's going on there, I'm going to go ahead and give you my top five and my bottom five in the NFL. Okay. Are you ready? My number one team in the NFL right now, the team that I think has looked better than anybody else, is the Ravens. The Ravens have been the best team in the NFL, bar none. I got to tell you, there is no way to quibble with anything that they have accomplished so far. They have been dominant against the Browns. They were dominant against the Texans. They look like they haven't skipped a beat since last season when they were on a roll. Ravens are the best team in the NFL right now. Second best team in the NFL right now. I think you have to go with the Packers. And the Packers have been dominant against two okay teams, probably, right? They beat the Vikings. And they handled the Vikings with ease. And that looked a little bit suspect because the Vikings weren't very good in week two. But the Packers also took care of the Lions pretty easily. So they are one of the few teams that's not only 2-0. They're 2-0 in their division. I think you have to put the Packers right now as the second best team in the NFL. All right. Who's the third best team in the NFL? I would probably say right now it's the Seahawks. The Seahawks, uh, with the way Russell Wilson is playing, for a time during Sunday Night Football, he had more touchdown passes than he did 
interceptions. His only interception just went right through Greg Olson's hands. Right now, the Seahawks, nine touchdown passes with Russell Wilson. He's the leader in the clubhouse to be the MVP. Nine touchdown passes, one interception. And again, that pick wasn't his fault. He's playing next-level football. I have questions about the Seahawks' defense, particularly with the Irvin injury and whether or not they're going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback as it comes down the stretch. Certainly, the NFC West is an incredibly talented division as well. But I would say right now, the Seahawks have looked better than anybody else in the NFC West. In the four spot, I'm sticking in the NFC West. About the Rams. They beat the Cowboys in week one, and then they went on the road and they absolutely dominated the Philadelphia Eagles. The Rams are already 2-0 and against the NFC East. It's a shame that they don't get to play in the NFC East because I think they would likely be the number one division winner there. They get to host a home playoff game. And then right now in the five spot, I understand some of you are going to say, oh, Clay, you're crazy. There's no way to justify this. I think if you look in the five spot right now, I think you have to go with the Arizona Cardinals. So I've got three teams from the NFC West right now in my top five. Now, teams that are just outside the top five, deserving of some attention, I think based on their records, Again, I think that you could say the Raiders, believe it or not, with their two wins, although I'm not sold at all on uh, the, uh, the Carolina Panthers, and the Raiders were arguably fortunate to win that game. The Chiefs, I believe, will be one of the top teams in the NFL, but I don't think if you're a Chiefs fan and you watch the way your team played against the Chargers, I don't think you can leave that game thinking, oh, we looked so phenomenal there's no way to uh, to attack our position there. So I would go with uh, the Chiefs outside of the top five right now. I would go with the Steelers outside of the top five right now. Yes, you're 2-0, and but as I said earlier in the week, it's a wobbly 2-0. and The Bills are 2-0, and but I'm not really sold on the Bills at 2-0. and And the Titans are 2-0, and but I'm not really sold on those teams either. That's all the 2-0 and teams right now. So I would say the five teams, the Ravens, the Packers, the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Cardinals are right now the five teams that are deserving of the most attention for being the best out there. What about the, the, the list of sadness, as I call it? Who are the five worst teams in the NFL right now as you sort of count down and try to approximate who's actually been really bad, who's really bad, The Jets are the worst team in the NFL. I'm sorry, Jets fans. I think even Jets fans are kind of nodding. You're like, you know what? There has not been very much of a reason at all to feel good about your team if you are a Jets fan. So I think the Jets right now are the worst team in the NFL. I would also say, and this is a little bit unfortunate for the city of New York, the Giants are bad. And they weren't awful in the first game, and they were competitive against the Bears. And by the way, the Bears are also 2-0 and if I left them out. I can't remember if I did or not, but they're wobbly. They could easily be 0-2. But with the loss of Saquon Barkley, I feel like you are putting so much more additional stress onto Daniel Jones, and already you didn't have a large margin for error. So the two worst teams, I think, in the NFL right now, I'm sorry, New York City, I believe the Giants and the Jets are the two worst teams in the NFL right now. Uh, Then it gets a little bit complicated, but I'm going to have to put the Eagles here. And I think it's crazy because Carson Wentz has got a $100 million contract, 
But if you just look at what's gone on this year, you lost to the Washington football team. And other than the first half against that team where you were up 17 nothing before you fell apart and Carson Wentz got sacked eight times and he got hit 13 times, this has looked like a really bad football team for the other six quarters. The NFC East is atrocious, but I think you got to put the Eagles there as the third worst team in the NFL right now, counting backwards. And then this is a little bit unfair because I feel like they have played two really tough teams, but, you know, I mean, when you really break it down, the last two teams are probably going to have a lot of movement on this part. I think you have to put the Dolphins in, even though they were fairly competitive so far. They did lose both of those games, and I just haven't been that impressed by the Dolphins so far. And then I think you probably have to slide in the Broncos. Even though the Broncos have been super competitive, I think you have to factor in Drew Locke. And it's possible that the Titans and... You know what? I'm going to take the Broncos out. Because the Broncos have lost to teams that are 4-0. The Steelers and the Titans haven't lost to anybody else. And, uh, and, and I think I probably have to slide in as I look at my list that I have you know, kind of, kind of here and I sometimes make decisions on the fly. I think you probably have to slide in the Lions just given how bad they looked. And I, I hate to do that because the Lions should have beaten the Bears and there are a lot of teams through here. Uh, so I'm going to scratch out the Lions and I'm going to go with the Bengals. All right. I do think there's a lot of reason for optimism and that's why I hate to you know kind of bring in the Bengals and even take a shot at them here. Uh, but that's an improvement to not be the worst. So my bottom five teams counting down, the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Giants, and the Jets. There are many teams that are in the running here. The Lions are in the running. The Broncos are in the running. The Texans are in the running. But you look at some of the teams that those guys have played against. For instance, I think the Texans have been bad. But how many teams could look bad playing the Chiefs and the Ravens back-to-back weeks? And by the way, six days from now, how good is that for a Monday night football game in week three, Chiefs-Ravens? Might be the game of the year in the third week of the season to be able to see exactly what's going to go on there. I can't wait to see how that process is going to play itself out. So in general, that is where we are heading. By the way, remember, the Texans have to go to Pittsburgh, too. I told you before the season started, one of my predictions on this show, I said, I think the Texans are starting 2-5 and five or 1-6. and six. And part of that's because DeAndre Hopkins is going to be gone, but also because their front-loaded schedule is so brutal that probably the only team they're going to be favored to beat is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, if you're a Texans fan right now, and I know they've had a couple of years where they have started slow, but if you look at this schedule and you consider the way that they have played, I don't know who Bill O'Brien must have, what it must have done. He got the Nebraska schedule of the NFL because you go on the road against the Steelers Sunday. Tough to win in Pittsburgh no matter what. That's a tough situation. Then the Vikings come to town. Maybe that's a game the Texans could be expected to win. They could be 0-3. They could be 1-2. The Titans go on the road against the Vikings. Then the Jags come to town, and that's a game you felt like, oh, we should be able to win that one. But right now, the Jags have looked better than the Texans. I've loved what I've seen from Gardner Minshew. And then the Texans go on the road against the Titans. That's a tough game. And then the Packers come to town, and then they go on the road against the Jags. So that's the first eight I mean, I really see the Texans as sitting at two and six, maybe one and seven. 
I'm just I'm just telling you this is an ugly situation for the Texans, and I think it's going to continue to bring back the fact that Bill O'Brien chose to trade away DeAndre Hopkins because of how good the Cardinals have looked so far. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates— Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I wanted to bring in the king of Raider Nation... Uh, Danny G and allow him to uh, to exalt over the Raiders being two and zero. I mean, look, I don't think there's any doubt. This is the biggest and best win that John Gruden has had since he came back to coach the Raiders. Derek Carr looked phenomenal. Waller couldn't be covered. Uh, Josh Jacobs continues to evolve. Henry Ruggs a big threat downfield. Everybody has to respect him. How would you assess the performance that your team put up in their first home game in Las Vegas? Pretty impressive. There's been so many times the past few years where you invited me in to try to explain away what went wrong and what was bad. It's nice for a change to see the Raiders' whole team have confidence. You saw that defense kind of, uh, not kind of, they got gashed in the first quarter. 
the team came alive in the second quarter. And then that defense, they were really bend but don't break in the second half of the game. And that's such a huge difference for us Raider fans because we're used to seeing our defense melt down during crunch time. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt. And and I would say this. I mean, um, as you look at the uh, overall sort of landscape of the NFL right now, there's gonna first of all, whether or not you can stay healthy is always a big deal in the NFL. But I think it's on a different level now, and I'm not even necessarily sure that that's directly connected to COVID, although maybe there will be some teams that have health issues related to the coronavirus before all is said and done. But guys are dropping like flies right now. Part of it is just getting back into football shape is different than being in training camp. And maybe they're going to have to go back and look at the data and the analytics and say, okay, I know fans don't necessarily like the preseason, but is that an important opportunity for players to kind of ramp up their physicality so that in week one, they're playing a quarter and week two, they're playing two quarters. Does that actually limit the overall number of injuries or not? I don't know because you know this, Danny G. Uh, there's a lot of years where guys get hurt in preseason games, and what we all say is, oh, there it happened again. Guys down with an injury in another meaningless preseason game. That's what we say all the time. And so as you kind of look at this, uh, at this scenario, I hope analytically people are smart enough to consider a six-week period, right? Look at the four preseason games, count the first two regular season games, and look at the injuries that occur over the course of that six weeks. But there are, I believe I'm correct in this, Dub, you can do a uh, you can do a check for me and let me know if I'm right. I think there are right now 11 2-0 teams, if I'm not mistaken. And among those 11 2-0 teams, there are a lot of fan bases that are ecstatic. And there are some fan bases that are recognizing, hey, we're 2-0. We're I would put the Titans among this group. I would put... Uh, I would put the Steelers among this group. I would put the Bears in that group. They could easily be 0-2. You know, you change a couple of plays, and the difference between being 2-0 and and 0-2 and is, uh, is minuscule. But for those 11, would you have believed, Danny G, that your Raiders were going to be one of the teams that, had, that was 2-0 and coming in? And that you would be, by the way, uh, right up there on an even playing field and almost even above the uh, the Chiefs after their near loss on the road against the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, I can honestly say I did, and anyone who has followed my social media knows that I was big on this team because of the off-season additions they made on defense. The Corey Littleton snagging away from the Rams, that was a big deal. Uh, they drafted pretty well. They definitely focused on trying to shore up that defense, and they got a couple of great linebackers although the guy they snagged from the Chicago Bears is hurt, to go along with what you were talking about with injuries. You guys mentioned it on FS1 yesterday morning that the Raiders lost Trent Brown and his backup on the offensive line in week one, and also Henry Ruggs got hurt. He played through it, and then you saw Josh Jacobs get injured in the second half. And, dude, how tough is that guy, Clay? Alabama's finest. He still went out there and balled out to run down the clock. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I've got him on my fantasy team. So every time, you know, the, the injury bug is going to change. I was, you know, I was talking about who's going to win divisions and who's going to be in the playoffs and everything else. I mean, there's a lot of people out there uh, in big money fantasy leagues are just competitive fantasy leagues out there where, you know, usually you wait until the end of the preseason to have your draft in the event that somebody gets hurt. 
But, man, I mean, yep. some of these hits, whether you're talking about Christian McCaffrey, uh, whether you're talking about uh, Bosa, whether you're uh, whether you're talking about potentially having a guy like uh, Drew Locke out for a while. So if you've got receivers out there in Denver trying to figure out exactly what's going on, and certainly Saquon Barkley is one of the top draft picks that everybody takes every single year based on his performance, to have him gone this early in the season, I mean, it's just a, it's a mass unit out there. And, and I don't think it's going to change uh, anytime soon at all what do you think by the way uh Danny G we we're gonna talk about this I think with Petros but I thought Justin Herbert was one of the most impressive performers in week two overall what he did coming in without really much of an expectation that he was going to play uh being able to have the success that he did and then having Anthony Lynn basically say hey we expected to win this game we still lost and as a result Tyrod Taylor is going to be our starting quarterback that seems kind of crazy to me, doesn't it? To you as well? Yeah, it's not easy for me to admit being a Raiders fan, but I'm one of the handful of people that watched Hard Knocks, and I was impressed with Coach Lynn. The fact that they were able to do what they did to the Chiefs a couple of days ago really impressed me. If Herbert could just get that one play back, not try to do too much on that play, he could have scrambled for 10 yards. They could have kept the drive going. It was really similar to the time in the game where you saw Jalen Richard fumbled for the Raiders. That, yep. that one part of the game where you're about to get over the hump and either you're going to blow it and give it back to the star quarterback on the other sideline or you're going to take it home. Uh, the, the one thing that really bugged me watching the game last night was the fact that there were no crazy 65,000 Raider fans inside yeah. that brand new amazing stadium can you imagine how nuts that place would have went after that 54-yard field goal by Carlson? What did you think about that decision? Because I was watching that with my uh, with my 10-year-old, and I turned to him and I said, you know, I oh, we talked earlier, like I had the Raiders. I thought the Raiders were going to cover. I liked them in this game. But you think about that 54-yard field goal. It can get blocked. You can miss it, and with only one minute left, you're giving the ball near midfield to Drew Brees and that offense that just went down the field so rapidly. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think there, even knowing how good of a field goal kicker Carlson is, I think I would have punted them deep, tried to pin them inside the 10 with basically a minute to go, needing to go 90 yards. I think I would have liked my chances uh, doing that. But to, to, to Gruden's credit, he got it right, and Carlson boomed it through. What were you thinking? Not to mention bad snap, blocked field goal. You know, like there are a lot of different directions that could have gone other than what it did. When it was being debated on the TV screen by the broadcast crew, you know, would you do this? I don't know about this. Uh, and they were going back and forth on it, and those were my feelings. I was kind of torn. But at the same time, that Raiders defense is a couple of years behind the Raiders offense. I think yep. we knew, and you did a good job on FS1, and a couple of your co-hosts did as well, saying, hey, the Raiders can stay in this game because they can score points. Two weeks in a row, they scored 34 points. The problem is, once your team switches to that prevent defense, like the Raiders started doing towards the end of the fourth quarter, I was screaming at my TV. I, I, that's what I hate Paul Gunther's guts. And it almost reminds me of Oscar De La Hoya where we would be rooting for him. He, he'd fight an awesome, you know, first half plus of the match. And then he would run around the ring, you know, for the last few rounds trying to just avoid losing. And I hate that. And the Raiders and John Gruden have done that before. 
they'll get a lead, and then they just try to milk the clock. You could pick up one first down literally and win the game, but sometimes Gruden makes Raider fans have near heart attacks. I'm happy that kick went through for Carlson, and I also heard on TV that his wife was giving birth to their child last night. He was on his way to the hospital. Imagine that night. You kick the field goal (laughs) to get the first win in Las Vegas history, then you get rushed to the hospital to have your wife deliver your child. Yeah, that's a hell of a uh, that's a hell of a night. Better better than most people's <laughs> nights uh, that that are uh, that are listening to us right now. But that's a uh, that's a heck of a tandem, and uh, it's certainly an incredible story for that kid to be able to uh, to think about and experience for uh, for the rest of their life what that uh, what that feeling uh, would be like to be a dad and a mom in in that scenario. But again. If I'm Gruden, I am not making that risky decision. I am choosing to, <laughs> I'm choosing to take the safe path. I think there, uh, rather than to uh, to try to kick the field goal. And I was thinking from a gambling perspective, I'm like, man, the only way I lose here, because this is the way gamblers think, is if this kick gets blocked, then somehow the uh, the the Saints go down and put this game into overtime, and then in overtime they win the toss and they get the first possession. And then they go down and score a touchdown. Then they cover. It would have been a brutal beat. So I was trying to think conservatively and make them go 90 yards. Uh, I bet, I know, uh, Dub was probably thinking the same thing. That's what gamblers do. Like we're when we're not immediately committed to any particular team, we're just kind of working through the process of what exactly might end up happening uh, before all is said and done. Uh, I think I teased you a little bit about the Anthony Lynn decision does that seem crazy to you to stick with Tyrod Taylor, even though Justin Herbert, say for one bad call, uh, one bad decision, I should say, we don't know what the call was, but he was running. He could have easily gotten the first down. He decided to throw it down yeah. to the goal line, and it was intercepted. How in the world can Lynn go back to Taylor? If his chest heals or his ribs, whatever it is, I feel like I saw enough from Herbert and enough confidence to where I would start him. How yeah. how can you go to Taylor? I, I kind of feel the same thing. I mean, I feel the same way that if they make the decision to go uh, in a different direction there, he's risking losing the team because they all watch the film. And I think there are things Justin Herbert does that, that Taylor can't. Now, if you want to come out and say, hey, you know, as good as he might have played in this game, he's still young. We need him to have a lot more reps in practice. This is a different kind of year than any year before. I think it makes more sense to have a veteran out there. He knows the offense better. He's been able to learn it better. All of those things could make sense if you're Anthony Lynn, but the way that he answered that, and we'll talk about this some with Jason Whitlock coming up in our conversation as we break down the NFL, the way he answered that I did not think was particularly ideal. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. We are talking with Jason Whitlock as he joins us on Tuesdays, as he always does. Uh, And we were just talking as we went to break uh, about something that I find to be utterly fascinating. It's how ideas get disseminated and how people make determinations about what is and is not acceptable when it comes to public discourse. And in particular, you were trending last night and Twitter decided Jason Whitlock opens himself up to criticism after making sexist comments about ESPN hosts. This is important, and it ties in with something that I think is a big deal that we're basically announcing on the show right now. But what I would say here is I'm a First Amendment absolutist, as everybody who listens to this program knows. Twitter claims that they don't make determinations about what is and what is not allowed to trend. 
But right here, an editor at Twitter wrote that Jason Whitlock made sexist comments, despite the fact that virtually no one on Twitter has accused you with an audience to speak of, at least so far, of being sexist. They might have thought you were being a jerk. They might have thought you were being an ass. They might not have agreed with your perspective. But your criticism of Katie Nolan and to the extent of Maria Edward, uh, Maria uh, Taylor, if they want to tie that all in, if they want to do that, that is basically the same kind of criticism that you write about men all the time. And interestingly, you are going to be testifying in front of Congress on Thursday about this exact issue. It's almost like Twitter just threw up a lob and allowed you, Big Sexy himself, to come off a trampoline, catch it with two hands. I would have said dunk with two hands, but let's be honest. I think everybody knows you're not dunking right now. Come off a trampoline, (laughs) catch the alley-oop with two hands, and dunk and hang on the rim. I mean, they literally have just set you up to destroy them in front of Congress because you are going to be testifying about content-based discrimination from tech companies. Clay, has been the topic I've been really passionate about for five or six years. I started trying to point out that, like, the media used to pander to New York, and now the media panders to Silicon Valley and the tech companies. And that there's a major, major difference between a New York liberal and a San Francisco Silicon Valley liberal. It, it, they're not the same. It's much more revolutionary. It's much more fascist. It's much more cancel culture out of Silicon Valley. And the tech companies are canceling voices they don't like in big yep. and small ways. And so this is a prime example of I've said something to one of their protected people, Katie Nolan. I've said something that's disrupted the narrative that all the woke are really out here trying to improve things and make things more fair and equal. I'm pointing out very clearly, no, they're not. And they're trying to diminish me. And look, for, for, I'll, you know, for a long time, Twitter controlled, monitored, diminished my Twitter following. It's only been here in the last three or four months where they've actually allowed my Twitter following to have growth. And look, I'm a constant critic of Twitter, and I'm never not going to be because it amplifies the voices that it agrees with, and it diminishes the voices it disagrees with. And so much public discourse, so much political discourse, Twitter has become very important to the American media. It sets narratives. So it has a huge impact on our society and country. And so I I can't leave it. I'm a part of the media, but I'm never not going to be a critic of it because I just don't think this one-sided conversation we're having is healthy for the country. I don't think it's healthy to, to pretend like, well, if you have these Christian views that paint you as a political conservative, or if you, even if you have politically conservative views, I don't think your voice should be diminished. I don't think they should act like there's a superiority to those who believe, who believe all the things on the left. That's unhealthy for our country. It puts us out of balance. People think of me as some sort of political conservative. I'm not. 
I'm just someone that believes in America. I do have Christian values that I stick to. But what I want is balance. I want the left and the right to compete with each other on a fair playing field. I want the marketplace a of, ideas of ideas is predicate. Yeah, that's the entire argument behind the marketplace of ideas. And it, that improves and helps us all. This whole canceling of people and diminishing people, it doesn't improve America. And so that's my problem with the woke and the phonies uh, 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 in, in this woke media world. They know damn well that for America to pro- uh, function properly and for there to be true equality and fairness, you got to balance the playing field and create a genuine marketplace of ideas and quit demonizing, oh, we disagree with this person, they're sexist. Oh, we disagree, they're racist. And for Twitter to amplify those voices and to create this impression that that's how everybody feels, oh, my God, Whitlock has criticized Katie Nolan, therefore he's sexist. Well, what about when I I light into LeBron James and countless men all the time? Am I sexist then, too? It's such a crock. Uh, And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to the opportunity on Thursday uh, to talk about some of these issues with people in higher political places than I'll ever be. You know what's fascinating about this? And again, I just want to hammer this home because there's a difference between Twitter saying we're a marketplace of ideas and you write a column and some people have an opinion about it. They can agree or disagree with it and people fire back in one way or the other. But what they did last night was make their own determination what your column was, and then they shared it with the tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions, I don't know how many people see it, of people that are active on Twitter so that they see it and they're already colored and characterized directly in front of them to believe what Twitter tells them. That's not a marketplace of ideas. That is Twitter being directly in the opinion business, which is why I'm going to be watching your congressional testimony on Thursday in a couple of days, honestly, with popcorn. Because I think there are people right now listening, I know it, in Twitter offices, and they're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And they're like, uh, they're going to pull a, uh, they're going to pull a, uh, I'm just fascinated to hear how they are going to respond when all of these Congress people say, wait a minute, you claim that you're not picking sides, but one of your editors went in, read Jason Whitlock's column at OutKick, decided it was sexist, made him trend on Twitter in a negative way, all because he was treating people who are in sports media, whether they are men or women, to the exact same standard. Look, and it's a signal to everybody else in the media. Don't criticize this person. Don't criticize women in the sports media or we will frame you in the same way. I can do it and get away with it because Clay Travis and I are partners at OutKick. I answer to myself and Clay Travis. Most of the other people in the media – they're not partners in their business. They actually answer to people who can cancel them and say, hey, this isn't worth a headache. Twitter just called what you did sexist. Therefore, we want you to back off, apologize, don't ever do this again. It, it silences people from saying what they really think. And it's just not fair. Because if I had 
started out or written a column and called some conservative person racist without any proof, yep. Twitter would say nothing. Oh, that that's fair comment. And we'll just put it out there. What, what They just needed to put my comments out there and let people make their own determination on whether it was fair or not fair. Don't put your spin on it so that everybody, oh, oh my God, Whitlock criticized Katie Nolan. That's sexist because that's the message everybody gets. Don't criticize Katie Nolan. Don't criticize women. It, it, what, the message sexist. that there's, amen. The message that they're sending is there's one opinion, and you better have the right one, or else we will come for you. Uh, and that's not what Outkick's about. We are the First Amendment wing of the First Amendment. And for people who don't understand what that means, that means ain't nobody is going to support the First Amendment in the world of sports more than Outkick. This is Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates— Young Voters Who Are Angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
Petros Papadagas at the old PAM 570 LA Sports, wildly successful Petros and Money Show. He is in the house with us right now. Petros, I'm actually curious on this. Were you watching when Anthony Davis hit his three to give the Lakers a 2-0 series lead, or were you potentially watching the football game that was going on at the same time? Well, I was in a TV studio, and you know what that's like. Okay. So. Uh, yes. we, we we saw all of it, and uh, people are certainly excited about it, but it seemed like in L.A. today, more people were excited of just about seeing the Death Star, and uh, yesterday, I mean, last night, and uh, everybody wanted to see what was going on with the Raiders as they are kind of Los Angeles' de facto football team, but uh, the the Lakers thing is uh, is a big deal. It's It's probably going to become a bigger deal. But at the same time, it's not here. And the biggest star, I keep telling you every time that uh, we talk about this, the biggest star in NBA basketball in L.A. is Staples Center. And who is there and the scene around that downtown area when the Lakers are doing this well? And frankly, we haven't seen that in about 10 years in town, and we haven't seen it this year either. So there, there's certainly something missing, and anybody that tries to act like there's not is is fooling themselves. But there are people excited, and uh, I did happen to see it live. I, I kind of was offended by the Anthony Davis is a Laker now uh, tweets because, uh, frankly, he was a Laker last summer when they traded for him. And there's been a lot of guys who have been Lakers. Some have had great success. Some have not had as much success. Some are forgotten, and some will be remembered forever. But the the in-the-moment rhetoric of rooting in in our sports world is always, you know me, Clay, a little annoying. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt that it can be a little bit annoying, almost as annoying as the Pac-12 ridiculousness. And I know <laughs> you've been fired up about this for a while now. But as you sort of look around, you now we know the Big Ten's coming back. There's talk the Mountain West is going to come back. Even the MAC is talking about coming back. And it seems like based on the most recent storylines that there's probably a very good chance that the Pac-12 will be playing maybe by Halloween, although who the heck knows at this point. How would you assess the overall status of the Pac-12 right now, particularly because there was a story out yesterday afternoon that said Pac-12 officials gave themselves, uh, I don't know if you even saw this, gave themselves bonuses before they furloughed or laid off half of all the Pac-12 employees. I mean, this conference has, uh, has not looked good throughout this entire process. And you can criticize the Big Ten, right? I mean, people can criticize the Big Ten. But at least the Big Ten players, the fans, uh, the athletic directors, the coaches, they all fought as hard as they could for, this, for the, 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 the league to actually play. The Pac-12 kind of just meekly accepted the fact that they weren't going to be able to play. And there was a... There's a guy in Oregon who writes at the Oregonian and and works uh, on the radio. He's like the voice of Oregon, John Canzano. And he's been saying this for years. That's the thing about this, Clay. What's the status of the Pac-12, you ask me? I have to ask you, in regards to what? 
because it's not really about the pandemic. The pandemic just pulled more of a sheet off of it and showed you how meek, which is a great word to describe them, they really are, and how much they need the Big Ten just to walk across an open field. It's amazing. And given that they're the West Coast and they brag about the West Coast's innovativeness, uh, and all the different things that they have at their fingertips in the San Francisco Bay Area, at the Silicon Valley and all that. They, they've made no inroads, uh, even though they said they have the best testing and doctors. They didn't make any announcements about it till long after everybody else did. So, But the problem really is it's not the pandemic. It's, it's a decade ago. The one thing the Big Ten does, even though it's been a dumpster fire for the last couple months, is serve its schools. Rutgers makes a buttload of money being in the Big Ten with Ohio State. The one thing the Pac-12 Pac doesn't do is serve its schools. It, it does a terrible job of that, and that's been a decade-long problem. And we know the two reasons, I always tell you. USC is terrible, and they don't pull their weight as the flagship, and the TV deal is even worse to where after a decade, there's a $100 million gap between the Oregon states of the world and the Mississippi states of the world. So this is just further, further proof of that. The thing that bothers me the most, Clay, and you understand this as a guy who has to put out content every day, not just on the radio and TV, but the website, which, uh, which takes up a lot of your time, I know. And there is so much wasted space and in inches of writing about this testing and that and the Pac-12 and Kate, uh, Clay Helton was working behind the scenes and blah, blah, blah. All of that is complete BS. There's only one reason the Pac-12 is playing or trying to play or moving towards playing, and that is because everybody else is playing. And they are being pressured into it. It has nothing to do with any of the rhetoric that comes out. Well, now we have it. No, you have no clarity that you didn't have six weeks ago. And it's just very, it's sad, but it's also indicative of West Coast football, especially for the last decade, which is a day late and a buck short. So if you are, let's pretend, I mean, you were a Pac-12 athlete at one point in time. One of the questions that I get asked frequently by people is, hey, what do you think as you go forward in this universe of recruiting and everything else? Would you think differently about going to a Pac-12 school compared to an ACC or an SEC or a Big 12 school? And I raise that as an issue because kids today are less geographically constrained than they might have been when you and I were growing up well, and certainly when our dads were growing up. And the reason why I bring that up is I think it's because they're able to stay in touch with friends a lot easier. So you don't maybe maybe I'm wrong on this, but I wouldn't think you necessarily get as homesick as you did before because you can FaceTime with your friends wherever you are. You never feel like you're that far physically away because of the contact. But do you think this has a lasting impact or do you think in two years most people assuming we you know, have gotten through the coronavirus and everything else, this is a story, but kids have short memories and it's not actually going to impact decisions. It's a great question, and obviously I can't answer it. But the football world, as you know, covering football season by season, you know, the, the previous year begets the next year, you know, like the Bible. So everything works off of uh, the, you know, year to year. The, the interruption 
is a huge unknown. Now, there's always going to be that guy in Los Angeles that is a great player who was never going to go anywhere else but USC. And to a lesser degree, there's that guy in, in the, the city of Seattle from time to time. But that's kind of been my message to you from the get-go in this. It's, about, it's, it's not about what's right or wrong. It's not about any of that. Well, who's to say? What it's about is leverage for the future. And football is about keeping up regionally. And God knows if that's the case, we're way behind already. But the message being sent is, these places around the country take football more seriously than where you live. All the great football players, many of them, are in Southern California right here. It's the most fertile recruiting ground in the in the world, year in and year out, along with uh, dear Texas's and Florida. But everybody knows about California players. It's it's not a secret. And if you're in Oklahoma, if you're in Clemson, if you're in Alabama, you're telling everybody in the football world and in Ohio State and all that, we are more serious about playing football than the places in than where you're from. And it's a pretty clear message, and it's kind of hard to argue. And that's the other thing about this. You know, all of these coaches, to a man, they're all vagabonds. And the guys talking about science in Arizona and Arizona State or Oregon or whatever – They'd be they'd be saying, well, we just can't wait to play if they were in any, you know, if they were at Wake Forest right now. They just, yeah. it's just regional rhetoric. So all of it is is it's uh, it's so obvious to me and so damn tiresome uh, of what we have to go through to get where we're supposed to get. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, regional rhetoric, by the way, would be an incredible name for a college football podcast because basically all we do is sit around and argue about uh, oftentimes teams from a regional basis. Yeah. It's the last great bastion of, of regionalism. Um, speaking and that's of, the beauty uh, of our sport. I'm glad that's you right. said it like that because that's the beauty. But it's also what's holding us back in this unprecedented time. I'm sorry that I said it uh, that I, I, I hate all the commercials with the slow piano and the people on the Zoom. <laughs> I can't. I, if I see another one of those, I'm going to kick a hole in my Westinghouse TV. But the the point is, uh, I I just uh, in in these times, which are uh, very very odd, uh, you're right to say that. You know, I mean, we love college football because it's so haphazard. Because Stanford and Ole Miss have nothing in common, and and they could play in a, a really fun game like that's what we love about the sport that regionalism and the personality of the coaches and the place and the history of the school now in that cauldron is a lot of problematic stuff but i don't think we should forget that as we're sitting here tearing our sport apart every single week uh, all of this incongruity is is kind of what we like about the sport from yelling about the bcs to how many teams should be in the college football playoff yeah, it is. Uh, that is interesting to uh, to think about as well. Um, speaking of uh, of interesting, so what do you think ultimately ends up happening? Like the Pac-12 comes back October 31st, and I know they haven't been in the playoff very often. But one of the challenges that both the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to face is, given the fact that the playoff committee, college football playoff selection committee, is making their decisions on December 20th, they aren't creating any leeway at all for themselves in the event that they have issues on a school or they have to cancel or they have to reschedule. Yeah. And, and so you could end up with a school like USC playing you know, four or five games as opposed to seven or eight. Same thing could happen to Ohio State through no fault of their own. 
how does this thing play itself out? Because the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 are going to have a bunch of weeks built in where things don't have to go perfect. It seems to me like the Pac-12 and the Big 10 have painted themselves into a corner where basically everything has to go perfect for their teams to be able to play in the playoff. And there's no doubt about it. Hence the sense of urgency to try to get back and play once all these other conferences watched in horror while college football started to be played across the country week in and week out. I mean, that's why we are where we are. It has nothing to do with uh, mitochondriitis or testing or antigen or any of the stuff that they're writing about. I don't know what the testing protocol is in the Sun Belt. It's probably just they grab your balls and you cough. But either way, (laughs) I mean, they're playing. Playing. Uh, but none of this is happening in a vacuum, Clay. I mean, the, the ESPN has a deal with the Pac-12, who has a deal with the Big Ten, who has a deal with the college football playoff, who has a deal with the SEC, who has a deal with the ACC, and, and so on and so forth, and the, and the Big 12, if I didn't mention it. So everybody's going to get married, and we'll all scream and yell about whose uh, resume is is correct in, in an even more haphazard year. But that's how it's going to play out, You're, the, the, because no one was going to wait for the Pac-12, so they got to get off their ass and play some games and fulfill their promise to these kids. And it's kind of sad because all of this could have been done weeks ago, but because people are too scared on the West Coast to step up and take the slings and arrows, my radio partner said it quite well, you know, why didn't Clay Elton say anything? He was too scared to say anything and be attacked on Twitter, you know, on the West Coast. Instead, they, they hid behind their players and had their players write a letter, which is so yeah, and also and shameful. But that's what a lot of these coaches are scared of the political backlash here. I don't think there's any doubt. And also, Clay Helton isn't exactly on super solid ground in a, as a Pac-12 coach. Maybe Pete Carroll could have been more outspoken if this had happened in, let's say, 2005 and USC was the straw that stirred the drink in college football. Maybe he would have been able to be outspoken like Ryan Day and Ohio State were, although I still think you probably would have had some sort of cultural shenanigans going on where there's a difference between the average person who's paying attention to what goes on in L.A. that's different than Columbus, Ohio or Birmingham, Alabama or places where college football is in many ways the heartbeat of a region. Um, well, that's okay, what speaking crazy about this too clay it's like uh, just yeah. real quick about the state stuff and like well they can't the state won't even allow them look uh, giant hollywood studios have had an exemption since march all right. kinds of people have a government lobby and get exemptions for all kinds of crap you're going to tell me you can't exempt stanford cal sc ucla fresno state davis and san diego state which well is somehow nothing- they're yeah, I was going to say somehow they're managing to keep uh, in LA. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that the uh, the Rams and the uh, and the Chargers are practicing somewhere in the vicinity of California. Not to mention the 49ers, and they're getting exemptions to be able to play. So yeah, they're not in LA County. Of, they would right, be. But I mean, they 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 probably would have them. But it is funny. The Rams are up in Ventura County, and the Chargers are down in Orange County. I mean, didn't the Lakers get an exemption a long time ago to start being able to use their facility yeah, in Elsewhere? Warner Brothers Studios has had an exemption since March. It's, you know, yeah. Disney has an exemption. These places are gigantic uh, business parks. Uh, uh, all kinds of businesses have lobbies and extensions within the government, which is why, you know, this should have been happening behind the scenes if Larry Scott had any influence with anybody months ago with the governors. and the, But he has no clout. He's not a leader. And and that's why we are where we are for the last 10 years. And the worst part about it is 
We've seen how bad it is for 10 years. You hear stories about Larry Scott and the Pac-12 taking bonuses and furloughing everybody or paying uh, billions of dollars in rent and all this crap, and still no one acts. No one does anything. University presidents don't do anything. The ADs don't do anything. We just sit here and wait for it to solve itself like a bunch of idiots in an insane asylum. How would, uh, by the way, how would you assess the uh, overall LA sports market right now with the Rams looking really good? They're 2 and 0. I'm going to get to a quick question about Justin Herbert here in a minute and everything that was said by Anthony uh, Lynn about his decision on who was going to be the starter in the next game. Uh, But you've got this beautiful stadium that is open that nobody's allowed to be in. You got the Lakers who are right now in the middle of a Western Conference run where they haven't been in since 2010, I think. I mean, it's been a while since the Lakers were there. Uh, You certainly have, yeah, 10 years. You have the Dodgers who are going after their first World Series title since 1988. And I think it's going to sneak up on a lot of people. But the baseball's regular season doesn't have that many games left, and then boom, we're going to be into a crazy postseason. Yeah, There's what about all the guys that on. tried to cancel baseball like uh, two months ago? What? Yeah, yeah they, they've lost like... that battle. <laughs> yeah, they lost uh, that battle, and not only is baseball going to be playing, but we're going to have a bigger, I think, 16 teams in the Major League Baseball postseason, more than we've ever seen before. Yeah, the Dodgers are starting to shake people loose, and they have. They're they're the best team in baseball right now, and a lot of people are excited about that. We talked about the bubble and all that, and, and that's popping off. And really the biggest story in L.A. and the most watched game, believe it or not, and I was shocked when I saw it, and I rarely talk about ratings, but this one was pretty telling, was Justin Herbert was that this kid ended up starting the game. No one knew he was going to start. It was a surprise. And they were hanging with and beating the, the world champs at, the, at SoFi. And everybody kind of tuned in for that. And that was pretty interesting that that became the story of the day. L.A. loves a shiny new toy. Uh, they do indeed. Um, what did you think about the What did you think about Justin Herbert, who I know you watch play quite a bit at Oregon, I thought he was pretty phenomenal in his first start, especially given he didn't have a lot of lead-up to the fact that he was going to be playing. Went out, I thought, was fairly dominant and uh, made one bad decision, and now Anthony Lynn is like, oh, there's no way he's going to start in week three. That surprised me that he's going to stick with Tyrod Taylor. What do you think, and uh, how would you assess his performance based on what you would have expected given all the games you watched him play at Oregon? Well, he definitely stretched the field a lot more than Tyron yeah. Taylor did in the first game. I mean, he's got a cannon. Up. Yeah. But, you know, it's one thing to have a cannon. It's another thing to stand up and throw it in your first NFL yeah. football game. You know, and, and that's what he – he looked like the player I saw in college. And that's one of the great compliments you can pay a guy. You know, I, I'd say the same thing about Joe Burrow when I saw him uh, last yes. week of it and, and then the next week. Uh I, I was really impressed with him. He's got a big, beautiful body like Cam Newton. He knows how to use it in the run game. He's athletic. He's nimble. And he's not scared to stand up and throw it down the field. He's Like you said, he made a bad decision. They're going to have a lot of ups and downs with him. But whatever Coach says, and he came on the show yesterday and talked about it, But and Coach is a pretty straightforward guy, and he cares about tenure and, and saying the right things and sending the right message to the guys on the team that are veterans. But 
overall, this is their first-round pick, their top-ten guy. This is the anointed future of the Chargers franchise here in L.A., at least for the time being, uh, unless you're going to pull a Josh Rosen. And it certainly doesn't look like that's the case right now after the small sample size we have. And uh, eventually this kid's got to be the starter. I'm surprised that he was first out of the tunnel. I mean, other than Burrow, after uh, I thought Tula would be the first guy out. But you think about how the Chargers just, the way they were offensively in Cincinnati and the receivers, they, they were open and the Ty, Tyrod was having a hard time finding them. Then he had a hard time breathing before the game and they took him to the hospital and all these weird circumstances. And Justin Herbert just looked like, and I'm sure he'll have setbacks and all that, but he looked, he looked like the guy that people talked about he could be in the NFL. They protected him very well with the run game and obviously there's no one in the state and all those weird different variables this year, but also no preseason, and it's hard to tell about a quarterback until he's in and out of the huddle and the clock's running and he's directing traffic out there and improvising when the bullets are live. And like you said, I was really impressed. Appreciate the time. Petros Papadakis, uh, we will talk to you next week. Enjoy all the games in the meantime. By the time we come back, we'll probably have uh, baseball basically set for the postseason. We'll see whether the Dodgers can be on a run, uh, and we'll talk to you again. Appreciate it, my man. Just happy I didn't get bumped for like a Supreme Court guy or anything. <laughs> That's Petros Pavadegas at the old P on Twitter. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.